Good evening, everyone. Tonight's reading is from 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. That's a lot of twos. <laughs> the man of lawlessness concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word, of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt him over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the Lord will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Thank you, Julia. Evening, everybody. Um, let's pray uh, as we uh, begin. Father, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for the words it contains. We thank you for the way it points us to the return of your son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, and we pray this evening that you would give us clarity and encouragement and help us to leave this place more assured and more confident of your rule and reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as it says on the screen, are you ready? Yesterday, seven weeks, it's coming. How are the presents looking? Start to think about them yet? Are you the sort of person that sort of plans these things in advance? You know, you've got lists, you've January sales, that's your time for buying uh, you know, the food storing, are you starting to think your Tesco order, you know, delivery slots, the 16th of November, uh, coming up for shopping. You know, don't forget, pigs in blankets, short supplies, so stop stockpiling. Are you ready? Now, but imagine this, that, that big day that we're looking at. Imagine that, that one day you go to sleep, it's December the 23rd, and you wake up and it's January the 4th. You've just missed it all. It's all come and gone. You're like, have I just missed Christmas? Is it just passed me by? So how would you feel? 
I mean, you might think, okay, well, I've, I've probably, the good thing is I've not eaten too many roast potatoes or chocolate biscuits, but you know, you've missed out on the fun. But then you think, well, it, it will come again next year, you know, give it a year, but it's coming around again. Or what about then maybe not something that's so annual, but something that's a bit more sort of one-off, one off, sort of a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? I don't know if many of you are recording strictly uh, for the results tonight or if you're strictly fans. Uh, my wife, Morag, uh, was at Strictly two weeks ago. Um, she's probably already told you. Um, but, but when she was there, uh, she was told that 3.5 million people apply for tickets. Uh, and her auntie was one of the lucky 120. That's across the whole series. They were given four tickets each um, who got tickets. Uh, but imagine that Morag went to bed on Friday night and then she woke up and it was Sunday. Sorry. The results show is filmed on Saturday as well, just in case you're wondering. Um, it, it was Sunday. She'd missed it. I mean, how would she feel? She's like, oh, I didn't like work. I brought the sparkly outfit. I, I got ready and then it's all gone. That once in a life opportunity just, just, it's happened without even me realizing. How would you feel? Well, what we're talking about tonight uh, isn't Christmas or, or strictly, it's something nowhere near as trivial. Uh, it's the date on every calendar, every diary, whether it's written there or not. It's the day the Lord Jesus will return. It's the day we've just sung about. It's the day on every calendar, on every diary. It's something that the Apostle Paul had been telling the, the Thessalonians. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, our reading is on page 189. But just glance your eyes back to the previous page, 1188, uh, and you'll see the end of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and you'll see these words, Thessalonians chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 3. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Uh, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Paul saying the day of the Lord will come and you won't know when. But, But more than that, actually, the day of the Lord when Jesus returns will be a really, really good day. Just glance up to verse nine of chapter five. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation for our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, that's died, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Paul saying, look, that day will be a day that will blow Christmas out of the water. It will be a day when all those wrongs be made right. It will be a day when you Thessalonians who are suffering for your faith will be able to stand tall and all will be made right and good. But here's the thing in our letter today. They're worried they've missed it. The Thessalonians are worried that they've missed it. Just look at verses one and two of chapter two now in our passage. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, 
whether by prophecy or a word of mouth or by letter, uh, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Uh, there's somebody or, or some uh, teaching that's getting to the church that's saying, oh, Jesus, he's already come back. Uh, and it could be by a prophecy. It could be by sort of word of mouth passing on. It, it could be by a letter. But Paul's saying, don't believe it. You might remember if you heard our series on 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul told us about prophecy. He said, uh, chapter 3, so he said chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, 1 Thessalonians again. Do not treat prophecies contempt, but test them. Hold on to what is good. There's a test this prophecy to see if it really was from Paul. It's something they clearly haven't done. Or word of mouth, it's just sort of been passed on by some sort of whispers game. Or letter, somebody pretending to be Paul. Uh, which is why, again, if you flick just the page uh, in 2 Thessalonians to the very end, chapter 3, verse 17, he writes this. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is a distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. Uh, yes, Paul used somebody else to write his letters, but he'd always grab the pen at the end and, and write something. And he's saying, look out for that. This letter that you, you've been given, is it from me? Did it have my signature? No, it didn't. So don't be unsettled. See, they're unsettled because they think that when Jesus returns, their world will be made right. But then why is life so rubbish? If Jesus has come back and our life is so bad, then... What hope do we have? And so that's why Paul is writing. Verse three. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Don't be taken in. Don't listen to it. Because you will know, you will know when Jesus will return. And he says, let me help you. Let me remind you of how you will know. Second part of verse three. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, what's that you're thinking? <laughs> what on earth is Paul talking about here? Now, as you can imagine, there are many, many, many pages that have been written about this. Uh, if you want to know, I will gladly point you to lots of different uh, articles and resources of, of people trying to, um, to say what they think this is, what the man of lawlessness is. And Paul here is, is picking up language from Isaiah 14 from Daniel 7 and chapter 11. But here's the, the key point. The Thessalonians know what he's talking about. The Thessalonians know what he's talking about. Verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? They know exactly what he's talking about. If they didn't, then that's no good to them. If they didn't know what he's talking about, then, then his point about saying this won't happen until Jesus returns, like, well, they'd be scratching their heads saying, has it happened then? 
We don't know what it is. So, so maybe it's happened. Maybe Jesus has returned. Uh, no, the point of this section is to Paul to give confidence to the Thessalonians. Say, look, Jesus has not returned. You know that because this has not happened. If this had happened, which you know about, then that's when Jesus would return. So he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, At this point, it's just helpful just to take a sidestep about how we look at the Bible. Um, So whenever we get a letter of someone like Paul, um, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. And then as we try to understand what he means as he writes to the Thessalonians, we then take that message to us. There's two green arrows that you might see. Paul, Thessalonians, Thessalonians to us. There's a red arrow that says Paul to us. When we read this, this is not Paul directly addressing you and me. He's addressing first and foremost the Thessalonians. So really, we don't need that arrow. This is Paul to the Thessalonians. And then as we understand what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, we then take that to us. Which is why it's okay that we don't know exactly what he's talking about. We can try and find out. As I said, we can, we can discuss it and look to it and point to it and try to work it out. And that's a fine, a good thing to do. But his first audience is the Thessalonians, and they know exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, they know. They know. And he keeps going, verses 6 and 7. And you know what is more. And you know what is holding him back. So that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till it is taken out of the way. This lawlessness, this power of lawlessness, which is opposed to God in every single way, is being restrained. So not simply has man of lawlessness not yet appeared. In fact, what they are currently experiencing is not the work of the man of lawlessness. For he is being restrained. And so Paul says, don't be deceived. Uh, Don't be duped. Don't be alarmed. One day, verse 8, he will come back and then the lawless one will be revealed. But it will only be when he's allowed to be. That day when he's allowed to be revealed. God is firmly in control. Uh, he has a hold of the leash, if you will. Uh, we used to have a dog. Uh, this is not our dog. This is a stock photo. Um, but um, we used to have a dog called Marley. Uh, Marley was a rescue dog. Uh, and we got him after he was given to a lady who was a, a slightly older lady. And Marley was a, a very sto- strong uh, staffy terrier cross. Uh, and basically, this lady just got pulled over. He'd see a cat and he would bolt. Uh, and he pulled the lady over. So sadly, she couldn't keep him. Uh, but then we got hold of him, and he was a strong dog, but, but I was able to hold on to him. So he would bolt off after uh, cats or rabbits or anything else that he took his fancy to, but I was holding on to the lead. I wasn't going to let go, and he wasn't going anywhere. It was only when he, as his master, would I come and uh, take him off the lead, would he go. 
Uh, I was the one who was in control. Uh, I was the one who uh, restrained and kept him. And the same is true here. This man of lawlessness it isn't free to do what he likes. He's under the control of the Lord God. And he's only released or revealed when the Lord chooses. But what will happen then? Verses 9 and 10. Uh, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Sadly, when he does come, there will be many who will believe his lie. And then verse 11 for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so they will believe the lie and so they'll be condemned. So, so they will be condemned to have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. I mean, what's going on there? Is it that, that God, it sounds almost a bit like God is, is deliberately making people believe the lie. But that's not the case at all. Now, rather, uh, these people refuse to believe the truth. They refuse to, to come to the Lord. Uh, so when the, the lie is revealed, God just allows them to have their way. It's a bit like him saying, well, that's what you wanted, isn't it? I'm just allowing you to have what you want. He's not going into people's wills. He's not forcing them. He's simply giving them what they want. But how is this an encouragement to the Thessalonians? Well, it was just in there. I don't know if you heard it in verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He will overthrow the lawless one, the powers of the says, with a word. Nothing is outside of his hand. There is not one power, person, authority, position, government that is outside of the Lord's control. It is all in his hand. So you cannot be safer. You cannot be safer. <coughs> but what does this land for us? What's the, the so what question? Well, we might say that the big sort of application straight from the text is, well, don't be alarmed. Jesus has not already come. Now, that was a big problem for Thessalonians. They thought, look, Jesus has come already. Where's our hope? Where's our, our life going to be? And Paul's saying, no, don't worry. He's not come. Uh, you know he's not come because this has not happened, which you know about. And so likewise, we can say, don't worry. Jesus has not already come. But I actually think this passage pushes us to ask some other questions. 
about the Lord Jesus' return. What one smaller and one bigger, and the smaller one first, and it's simply this: Where do we listen to hear? Where do we listen to get our authority from? What, what do we trust? Or, or put another way, what voices shape the way you live, think, and feel? What voices shape the way you live, think, and feel? Uh, the Thessalonians here were, were trying to, to grab at false voices, to, to listen to, to prophecies that didn't test, to, to sort of hearsay, word of mouth, to a letter which they didn't check up properly, uh, rather than listening to the authoritative voice of the Apostle Paul. Uh, God's messenger to his people. Where do you look? Uh, imagine for a moment that this, um, this church was our world. What a fun thought. Um, it was our, every, there was no internet, there's no televisions. This is all we knew. And then we start to ponder thinking, well, what, what's, the, what's the point in us being here? And what, what about outside there's such a thing? And then somebody comes and says, well, look, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the point of us being here, but I, but I think we should just be nice to each other. And then somebody else says, no, what, what we need to do is we, we should come together as a group. We should discuss it. And let's take what the majority feel is the right way forward. And it says, what about outside? And it says, oh, outside. I think outside is full of little jolly green giants who like sweet corn. Okay. Um, and somebody else says, oh, the, the outside, <laughs> yeah, the outside, that's a child's fairy tale. What are you talking about? Uh, people try to grab at voices to, to understand who they should listen to, understand the meaning of life. Whereas really, what if you heard a, and then someone came in the back door, uh, they walked in. And they said, I'm from the outside. In fact, I'm not simply from the outside. I, I made this, this building. I made you and I put you in it. Whose voice are you going to listen to? The Lord Jesus is one who came from outside, who says, I know you, I love you, I made you. If we base our life on anything other than his word... We're just going to disappoint ourselves. We're going to set ourselves up for a fail. And we're going to be mean to ourselves, living in God's world without God's word. We need to listen to the authoritative voice. But if that's a smaller one, what's the, the bigger one? Well, as I said, the, the big thrust of, of the Thessalonians was, has Jesus already turned? But, but I wonder for us, it's not so much has he already turned, but will he will he return now i know what it's like i know how um how life just gets so busy doesn't it how we have our our family uh, stuff going on whether that be small children or or elderly parents or just life and how that crowds in and how work becomes the just all-encompassing and uh, how there's activity here, there, and diaries to balance and things to plan and do. And it's not that we, we, we deliberately think that Jesus won't return. It's just that we, we just forget it. Well, I certainly do. But 
But what would life be like if we deliberately put before our eyes saying, one day, one day, it could be today, Jesus will return. It's a fact. It's a fact because Christ, he came to this earth. We can test that. We can find out. We can look at the evidence. He died. We can test that. We can find out. We can look at the evidence. He rose again. We can test that. We can find out. We'll get the evidence. He wrote, he ascended to heaven. We can test that and find out. If he did those things, he's going to come back because that's what he said he was going to do. So we need some way of, of trying to put it into our head, to, to put it before our eyes each day. It might be by including it in your prayer time. If you use prayer mates, you could set it as one of your categories. Or just put it as a, a, an underlined thing at the top of a list. It, it, it might be to, to tell each other. Did you know Jesus can come back? To, to come to church each week. To sing songs like Christ our life appears. To, to set reminders in our, our diary. You could even set a reminder on your electronic diary. So it just pings up and just reminds you. <coughs> but how can we set it before our eyes? Today um, is, of course, Remembrance Sunday. And my, my granddad was... Uh, in Guernsey during the occupation. Um, each day they would live day by day. They, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was around the corner. They didn't know how the war was going to pan out. But imagine they did. Imagine they knew that, that May the 9th, 1945, Liberation Day. Imagine they knew that was a fixed date that is going to come. How would that impact March the 14th, 1942. How would knowing that that day is going to come help him and all the others to live and to keep going and to keep their eyes fixed ahead? So brothers and sisters, how can we look with that day ahead to keep it in mind, to keep it fixed ahead? Not because we need a stick to say, you better keep do better. But to remind yourself that one day there will be a day of no more tears. We had the bereavement service this afternoon when there was plenty of tears. But to remind ourselves one day there will be a day of no more tears. One day all will be made right. Let's put that before our eyes. We're going to do it in a minute as we celebrate communion. But that day will be a good day. The Thessalonians were worried they'd missed it. That's why they were worried, because it's a good day. Paul says, you haven't missed it. Keep going. And we're going to hear more about how they're going to live in light of that over the coming weeks. And so today, it's a good day. Let's keep it before our eyes. And let's keep going. Let me pray, and then we'll have a moment uh, of quiet. Father. We thank you that that is a good day. When your return will be a good day. When Christ, our life, appears, it will be a good day. Help us to keep before our eyes each day, walking as your children each day with that day in mind. Living out our identity as your beloved 
as your saved people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.